team member Adelaide Ong has a compelling interview with Yasmin Gray of Canberra-based Get Aboutable or Get About Able. They discuss the untapped potential of the disability tourism market, which Tourism Australia reckons is worth $13 billion annually. That's more than the Chinese tourism market is worth to Australia. Yasmin tells Adelaide that she believes the fear of the unknown in dealing with a disabled guest is costing operators thousands of dollars in lost opportunity. My guest, who has an autoimmune condition, has been waving her hands at the tourism industry, trying to get more attention to see disabled tourists as a powerfully lucrative market right under their noses that they've mostly overlooked. Yasmin Gray is the Canberra-based founder of Get Aboutable, spelt Get About Able, a movement of humans with varying degrees of disability that would love to see more inclusiveness in tourism in ways that can pay back big time. Here's my conversation with Yasmin, and you'll hear that her voice has been impacted by her condition. So, if you have challenges listening, there is a written, shorter version of this interview that I'll link in the show notes. Yasmin, thank you so much for giving us your time and telling us your story. Where did your passion for accessibility issues in tourism begin, and how did you end up becoming a champion for its causes? Oh, that actually causes me to go back my whole life. I've been a lifelong traveler. I have been traveling long haul flights since I was six months old. Until COVID, I hadn't gone a year without using my passport. And yeah, I whether it be for family holidays or business or for whatever reason, just seeing different places, experiencing new cultures has been part of my being. It's just something I'm very passionate about. So as my disability progressed, as my incapacity progressed, it became more and more difficult. And there is a lot in the travel and tourism industries that is not accessible. And basically, I found myself retired and really wanting to still do something with my brain. And finding that travel was something I still wanted to do. And so because I'd been doing workarounds to keep traveling for myself, I thought surely there are other people like me who are finding it just as frustrating and there's so little information out there that, you know, we've got to solve this problem. What you have explained to people is that you have multiple sclerosis. Would that be right? Yes. So I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1996. I probably have had symptoms since about 1985. And for those who don't know multiple sclerosis, it's a disease of an autoimmune disease of the central nervous system. And so basically, my major nerves and my brain will short circuit, which can cause all sorts of fun problems. And in my case at the moment, it's not being able to walk and having very weak arms. But it wasn't always like that. You know, it started with a few twitches here and there, a few pins and needles. And the, the reason why it took over 10 years to be diagnosed is because It was all these collection of really weird symptoms and could easily be explained by other things like, you know, I had pins and needles in my legs. I was bike riding too much. You know, I had pins and needles in my arms or my arms went numb. I was leaning on my elbows too much when I was studying. Um, Yeah, things like that. So for years, 
it was like, oh, this is weird, this is weird, but never quite getting investigated. But then I moved cities, and when I went to a new doctor with the collection of all the weird things that have been happening, I, I was diagnosed within a month. So it sounds like that has meant you now need to get around in a little vehicle. <laughs> a power wheelchair. A power wheelchair, okay. But it, it does sound like uh, that would be frustrating for someone who loved being able to travel freely without any constraints. And I'm just wondering, is this something that you can fairly easily take on planes with you when you travel overseas? No, not How at all. How does that work? No, and in fact, it's funny that you mentioned it's um, quite limiting. Actually, I found more limiting the stage where I was still walking, but walking slowly and with a cane because then I would tire very easily and I wouldn't be able to go on long walks the way I used to. And I wasn't yet requiring so much assistance that it was labeled assistance, but I still needed. Now, it would have been very helpful to have more benches or to have different spots that I could stop and still enjoy myself and rest, but, you know, not actually be intrusive. And um, so that's what we talk about at Get About a Role, about inclusive travel. How, how do you cater to everyone, regardless of what their physical needs are? And that physical need can include invisible disabilities, you know, psychosocial disabilities, intellectual disabilities can include other areas of neurodiversity, people who are hearing impaired, people who are vision impaired. We did a review of an event, and I just happened to be with the vision impaired reviewer who is classified as totally blind. And I don't know if you know Enlightened in Canberra, but it's a, a light. Like they do projections on buildings. It's a bit like Vivid in Sydney. And we were at one of the light installations, and the woman who is classified as blind started saying, oh, are they changing color? And we're like, what are you talking about? And she's like, there's something in front of us and it's changing color. And it was so subtle, very subtle changes. But because her blindness, she can see light fluctuation. So she didn't know what she was seeing, but she could see some sort of a change, which is why she asked. And it's amazing when you experience travel with all sorts of different what are classified as disabilities. We like to talk about them as access needs. You experience those in completely different ways. And that's the joy of travel, is experiencing from different perspectives. So, yeah, it's part of what makes me very passionate about what we do. That's actually quite beautiful, what you just shared. I'm wondering how big is the community of people who love travel and have disabilities. I'm, I'm sure this community bands together and shares notes. Can you tell us a bit about that community? Yeah. So, I mean, one in five, one in six people has some form of disability. And that doesn't even count you know, the older population or others who might never classify themselves as having a disability. Australian Bureau of Statistics estimates that it's one in three households. So when we talk about travelers with access needs, we say don't look at us as a specific niche. Look at us as one in five 
travelers across the entire spectrum. It's 20% of the market. And for most businesses, it's 20% of the market that they are completely missing because they don't even think about it, much less work to cater to it. And it's not that hard. Most people who think about accessible tourism think about ramps and wide doorways and, and measurements, but that's the compliance piece. That's for building standards. What we need for inclusive travel is understanding of people to understand that we have needs and just ask, what can I do to make your visit better? Is there monetary value that you've been able to place on the disability travel market? Absolutely. I mean, in Australia, we just heard from Tourism Australia a couple of months ago, they came to speak at our annual conference. And they had it valued at $13.5 billion annually in 2021. So, you know, we had it valued at just over $10 billion before the pandemic. And in the year that it was measured, it was just more than the Chinese tourism market. So, you know, if you think of how travel and tourism operators cater to the Chinese market and the efforts they put into that, this is the market that's at least that big and growing. We estimate it's going to be two or three times as big once people start looking at it. And, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this tidal wave of interest in accessible and inclusive tourism. It started in the pandemic because travel operators were looking for markets. And it really is. It's a hidden gem. And I know I'm, I've got a vested interest in saying that. But, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been banging my head on the wall going, why don't people see how valuable this is? I mean, people with access needs are high-value travelers. On average, they spend almost three times as much as the average traveler, even if they're staying in budget accommodation. And the reason is because they travel with more companions, they stay for longer, and they're more loyal. So, yeah, I feel like it's just a big secret that's going to get out. And another presenter at our conference last year said, the bus is going and get on now before it goes. Because, you know, at the moment, it's a differentiator. You know, anybody with access needs will pay attention. It sounds like you are still up against so much resistance in the tourism and hospitality industry. What do you think is the biggest misconception about accessible travel that you're encountering? Uh, first of all, I wouldn't call it resistance. I don't think it's active resistance. I think it's fear. And the biggest hurdle is the preconception that it's too expensive or it's too difficult. Because looking at it from the compliance viewpoint, you know, if you live it, it, not if you live, if you work in an old heritage building, the way to get it compliance accessible could be very expensive. But to get a customer service inclusive, it's quite a different conversation. So, yeah, I think the resistance is more about the fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what they've seen in the past. And one of the things that is talked about quite a bit in the disability community is the media perception that we just don't have in our society many examples of people with disability getting out and experiencing Life just like anyone else with their families and friends. Yasmin Gray 
of Get Up Out of Ball, speaking with reporter Adelaide Ong. To listen to the extended interview, go to Adelaide's podcast, Upon Arrival.